Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Short Staff Podcast. My name is Zad Tomberlin, and I serve as uh, one of the pastors here at Broadway Baptist Church. I give oversight for discipleship and missions, and uh, man, I'm excited to be joined by two of my vertically challenged brethren, uh, Pastor Tony and Pastor TJ, um, as we are co-laborers in ministry and looking, just looking forward to uh, uh, talking together about theology. Um, Pastor Tony has been in ministry for over 40 years, is that right? And uh, Pastor TJ has been in about eight years, and uh, so we got a, a good range of, uh, of ministry uh, from one who's been in a while and, and Myself and Pastor TJ are, would be considered young bucks in ministry. So, um, but I am I'm excited about uh, this uh, podcast and looking forward to our time together, and hopefully it be an encouragement to you all. And so, uh, uh, Pastor TJ, just share with us a little bit about uh, the podcast and the heart behind it and our name. We got a great name, right? Well, you kind of gave part of it away. We're vertically challenged. <laughs> right. I, I think the three of us each are under. Uh, 5'10", right? Yeah. Yep. And yeah, we're I'm all five, under 5'10". Yeah. And well, now, I, I will say, at one time I was 5'10". You're on the I'm, I'm other on the side of the hill. Side. Yeah. yeah, nice. Everything compacts together. You've made it. So I'm, <laughs> You have arrived. Yeah, I'm now about 5'5". Five, yeah. Five. yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that's how tall Paul was, I believe. Yeah, right? yeah that's what yeah. I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding, we don't know. But that. some of the great, great leaders in history have been short in stature. They have. Napoleon. Sure. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. And in the Bible, Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Well, yeah. This one. He was a well, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Great thing. Well, yeah. It wouldn't be Zacchaeus. a great episode without a Pastor Tony Jones. That's pretty so, much. That's, that's right. it. That's why I'm yeah. here. Yeah. We are delighted We're the that you have joined us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on podcasts and uh, on Facebook, yeah. Uh, yeah. this will be available. Yeah. So. And Grant, too, he is under 5'10", but our custodian, Ross, takes the cake. Yeah. He is by far the shortest. He is the shortest. And, uh, and so, but we're going to have to be careful because I've noticed some of the interns you're bringing in. You're right, man. They're I, exceeding the limit. He's taller in. than all of us. That's exactly right. Yeah. When COVID hit, though, we had talked about different ways of ministry, and podcasts came up. And I think it was Zad who uh, mentioned, "How about we come up with a podcast and call it the Short Staffed Podcast?" Well, that's great because that does fit us. But th- that's not the extent of the name. There's a double meaning there. Uh, coming from Matthew 9, uh, Jesus, he looks at all of those who are coming to him for healing, and, and he looks to his disciples, and he says, uh, and he, well, the Bible first says he has compassion on them, mm-hmm. and the labor is plenty, but the workers are few. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about pastoral mm-hmm. ministry or biblical counseling or being a, a theologian. We're talking about there are very few Christians engaged in daily Christian ministry, mm-hmm. serving God in the circles that he's placed them in, right. discipling people at work, sharing the gospel, right. um, leading their families um, in devotion, serving in the local church, right. whether it be mm-hmm. greeting or holding babies or whatever. There are few working and serving in the kingdom. And so this podcast is for the few. We want to equip those who are engaged in, in serving Christ in the home, in the workplace, um, as they go about the way in the church, in, in theology, and in ministry, and hope to also inspire those who have not been as faithful uh, to uh, take up the right. torch and carry it. So, Pastor Tony, why don't you tell us a little bit about why why do a podcast on theology and ministry for the few? Well, you know, I think uh, there's a misnomer out there that theology 
is something that only the clergy, <clears throat> only the the pastors or those that are in uh, seminaries right. are engaged in. Um, several years ago, R.C. Sproul wrote a book, and, and it's a good book. It's not the best book on systematic theology mm -hmm. uh, that I've ever read, but the title right. is excellent. Absolutely. And it's Everyone's a Theologian. <clears throat> and the fact of the matter is that, you know, in 40 years of ministry, I've, I've seen the church in every generation um, defining and redefining uh, their mm -hmm. concepts of God. And we have to be careful. Uh, I think, you know, as with the Reformation, the church is continually reforming itself. Right. And every generation needs to not just uh, take what's been handed to them, a view of God, but to weigh everything with Scripture. That's right. And so you have, when you talk about theology, you've got theology proper, which is uh, just at its basic level, theology, uh, study of God. But then that's maybe theology proper, but there's also theology and everything God's revealed about himself. Mm -hmm. And so we have a theology of the church and, and mm -hmm. so forth. And so theology is something that every Christian and every uh, every person is a theologian because mm -hmm. anytime we have thoughts about God, we're doing theology. And, um, and so I think helping equip people that they don't have a caricature of God right. that's created. You know, you go to the county fair and there's a guy sitting there and he'll take one uh, feature of someone and, and make it so extreme that it's all you notice. Uh, every generation has a tendency to look at God and take one attribute uh, one characteristic of God and focus on it to an extreme so that we distort God. Um, and it's important that the God that we worship is not the God of our imagination. Mm. You know, several years ago... Yeah, because uh, you, you would get a whole lot of people, if you ask them to close their eyes, and what do you imagine about God? God? What do you see? Yeah, a lot of different things. <laughs> you, you would tell a lot by what all they Oh, absolutely. Uh, several years ago, there was a, a best-selling book, The Shack, and that, that book, The Shack, which is heresy, uh, but it got by with being heretical because they called it fiction, mm -hmm. but basically it presented a God that people wanted him to be. It wasn't a God of the Bible. Right. He was, uh, again, a, a God that was sympathetic to our herds, but he really wasn't a God that could help us very much. And so uh, when, we, when we look at theology and we think about God, it's important that we, um, that we make sure that we're not getting a copy of a copy of a copy. You know, the more you, the more you make a copy, make a copy of that copy, before it's so distorted that you can't even recognize it. Every generation, I think, needs to be doing theology and studying theology and thinking about God, but making sure that the God that they're focused upon is the God as he has revealed himself in Scripture to be. And um, so you have, again, theology proper, but then you break it down. Uh, like for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about ecclesiology, so we're going to be talking about you know, theology and how it applies to the local church. Mm -hmm. So there is a theology of ecclesiology. And, um, and so, Zad, why don't you kind of give us yeah, I mean, you, uh, an, you, a definition of, sure. of what the church... Uh, and, uh, a short definition, easy to memorize. It's a, it's a study I like what of, you did with short there, yeah. Well, I, I did that on purpose. Yeah, I yeah. noticed. Well, I'm short, too. So. But so are y'all. Yeah, we are. Uh, it, it is, uh, it's a, a study. It's a study of, <laughs> it's a study of the church. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's going to be hard. These podcasts, I hope we're going to be uh, encouraging the folks. Uh, they'll They're definitely, probably like, comical as well. Yeah, it should be comical. <laughs> uh, we're a funny bunch. But, um, uh, yeah, it's going to be the study of the church. And, and uh, you know, a, a good definition, as uh, we've been sharing and, and talking, is uh, from, uh, from a scholar, Greg Allison, uh, you know, um, Ecclesiology, ecclesia, the in Greek means assembly, and so, and then ology obviously is the study of. So it's the study of the assembly. Assembly shows up, I think, over a hundred and ten times. I think it's one hundred and fourteen times in the New Testament. And so, I'm not sure what that was. It may have been something. Uh, That's not me. I think it was my. I think <laughs> it was my watch. Devices on. Yeah, exactly. I didn't turn my watch off, yeah. um, but you have too much technology. I probably do. Yeah. So let me give you his definition. This is definitely um, uh, more articulated, and because Ecclesiastes covers a lot, and we're gonna we're gonna begin to unpack yeah. that in the coming episodes. And over ten episodes. Gonna, over ten episodes. Yeah. That's exactly wow. right. You think folks will tune in ten times? That that is the question to be answered. Uh, we hope so. We hope you do. And you just lost um, them with your watch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The uh, it distracted me, but I didn't know. I think it's the it's the little button that tells me where my phone is, which is right here. So that's interesting. Ecclesiology from Greg Allison. This is an excellent definition. Is one of the topics of systematic theology. It treats the biblical material regarding the church. And as I said, ecclesiology comes from the Greek word ekklesia, the assembly. So it presents the definition of the church and discusses, discusses its covenantal relationship with God as well as its relationship to Israel and the kingdom of God. And so ecclesiology, as we'll unpack, further develops, Allison says, the church's nature, you know, the, the gospel-centered, spirit-empowered, confessional, missional, uh, its attributes in unity, purity, um, uh, and how it's Catholic uh, in its beliefs um, and its marks, preaching, administering the sacraments, church discipline. So ecclesiology also covers uh, the offices of the church uh, as uh, elders, um, deacons, um, and then church government, so the polity of the church, as well as its ministers, uh, sorry, its ministries, uh, worship, preaching, mission, and discipleship. So um, Did I hear you say the church was Catholic? <laughs> no, we'll Catholic. we'll unpack that. Oh, what does that mean? That. I thought we were Baptists. <laughs> we are Baptists. We are Baptists. <laughs> so yeah, that that is uh, that is a, a a good definition of ecclesiology. And so what you know, and what we believe about uh, the church, how we're governed, um, is important. Uh, we're, we're not just left in the dark, as That's in right. all things, um, the Scripture governs. You know how we live, how we function, but especially as a as a people and what God is doing in and through His people right. as a gathered people, as an right. assembled people. So, we'll look at that in the uh, coming episodes of you know what who makes up the church, yep. breaking church, it down and church universal. Aspects. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep. So, um, so when you're breaking it down, are you going to have that little beatbox music going? Yeah, I am not going to. Okay. Yeah, we, we are not. I say break it down in it. <laughs> Break dance now. Okay, so you're not doing that. So an important, an important question would come then, uh, Pastor Tony, is you know where is the scripture? What does the scriptures govern our understanding of the church? Yeah. Well, you know when you when you talk about um, theology and ecclesiology in general, um, the word church, uh, as you've already said, is, is uh, ecclesia, which 
is talking about an assembly, which really comes into play in, in this COVID. Uh, yeah. I hear a lot of discussion, you know, about uh, the church, whether the church uh, is the church when it's not gathered together in assembly. Mm. Uh, I, and I, I recognize that we are in difficult days and, you know, not to overuse the term <coughs> unprecedented, mm. um, but I, I think we're going to be we're going to be facing in the future this issue of whether or not gathering together mm. is important. Uh, why can't I get my spiritual nourishment uh, from podcast, mm. from Facebook, uh, from watching again my church online? Uh, yeah, this, why do this I need, podcast is not yeah, going to feed you well? I guarantee it's not. No, you will starve to death. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's going to be an issue. Is is whether or not. When COVID mm. is over, uh, does everyone come back together mm. and assemble? And without question, by definition, we, we are a gathering people. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you look at the apostles, even after they had been threatened and persecuted, when they were released, immediately they went to their own company. Mm-hmm. I and mean, they were already mm-hmm. <laughs> recognizing how unique the opportunity is to come together as believers. And so when you think about church and and the biblical warrant uh, for church, and we, we have this debate with our culture today that don't believe in church membership, that don't mm-hmm. believe, uh, you know, the church is in the Bible. Um, and, and so there's two things you got to make sure you clarify, and that is the, the genuine uh, invisible church, mm-hmm. the body of Christ, which is only comprised of regenerate born-again members. Mm-hmm. That's the only ones that are in the invisible church. Yeah. And the Bible sometimes uses that term and is speaking of this invisible, universal Catholic church, mm-hmm. um, using the word Catholic differently, of course, right. but the, the whole body of genuine believers. Mm-hmm. But most of the time in the New Testament, and most of the New Testament is written toward not the universal invisible church, but local assemblies. Right. You know, the believers at Ephesus mm-hmm. and Philippi and so forth. And, um, and so you have to clarify between the universal church, which is only comprised of genuinely born-again people, mm-hmm. and the local church, which we strive to be a regenerate membership, but we, we can't be mm-hmm. because we don't know the hearts of people. And right. so anyone who makes a genuine profession of faith, evidencing that they have repented and put their faith in Christ, is brought into the church. But they don't always, again, bear fruit. Uh, some of them have, a, have made a false profession. Sure. Uh, and some even, fall and away. Even, and even follow in believers' baptism. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, just like you know, when you, when you talk about the church, the, you have the old covenant people of God mm-hmm. in uh, in the Old Testament. They were a mixed multitude, uh, but they all had the sign of circumcision. Yep. You got the, the in the New Testament church. Not everyone who has the sign of baptism. Is genuinely a believer, right. and um, so you have to you have to weigh those two things and understand. But I do believe that you know when you think about the church, the the word church is used twice in the Gospels, mm-hmm. and both of them are in Matthew. And in Matthew sixteen, you know you mm-hmm. have the great confession of Peter. Um, they are at Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus is asking them, "Who do people say that the Son of Man is?" And they said, "Well." Some say you're John the Baptist, others say you're Elijah, some Jeremiah, some say you're one of the prophets. Hmm. And he turned the question to them and specifically asked them, but who 
do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, who had to be a Baptist because he always had his foot in his mouth, he, he usually had the wrong answer. I can relate with uh, but that. But he, uh, well, I was thinking of you, but uh, he, uh, he definitely nailed it this time. You know, he, he said, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus then said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father is in heaven. So he did get a pat on the back saying, you're so sharp, Peter. You yeah, figured it out. he didn't come up with it. No, he didn't all. come up. Mm, yeah. But the father had revealed that to mm. him. But then he goes on to say, you know, that uh, I say unto you, Art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, there's the word, mm -hmm. and the gates of hell shall not uh, prevail against it. And, um, and so the debate then is, was the church founded upon Peter being the rock, mm -hmm. a play on words? I think the church clearly is built upon that confession mm -hmm. And what does it mean to be a church and to be a Christian church? Mm -hmm. uh, we can differ on church polity. We can differ on baptism. We can differ on a lot of things and still be Christian. But if you don't get this right, you're not That's Christian. Right. That's right. You know, That's exactly and, uh, right. And the only other time, it's interesting, the only other time church is mentioned is in 18. And in 18, he's talking mm -hmm. about church discipline. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, folks today who have, uh, have debated with me about church membership, that they don't see it in the Bible. You know, I draw them to this text and I say, how can we hold each other accountable if we don't know who we are? How can I pastor That's right. and have pastoral, uh, uh, again, responsibilities uh, to be uh, shepherding people? I'm not, I'm not the pastor of everyone, right. but I am a pastor of those who, again, are in, in my congregation and you got to know who's in. And it's clear in the scripture that they knew who was in and who was out. That's right. Yeah. And that brings up, too, yeah. um, church discipline exposes who is a non-believer in the midst of the company, in right. the assembly. Right. And so although there are people within our midst who are not believers yet have the covenant sign, we ought to only give the covenant sign to believers. Yeah. That that will inevitably happen whenever we yeah. uh, baptize a non-believer, but yeah. that will be exposed. Well, we're opening up a lot of topics we're going to be diving into. Yeah, that's you know, right. Church membership being one, how we... This is a taste of a lot of a different taste. things yeah, we're going to be covering. Yeah. And so there's a lot that uh, that is covered in ecclesiology uh, that is... Unpacked. Well, in theology in general, because... Absolutely. Uh, you know, with today the the attractional church model, mm -hmm. uh, worship uh, as it has become more entertainment driven, where we're more concerned about the atmosphere of the stage than we are the attitude of the heart. All of this comes about preacher sneakers as all well. Of, as yeah, preachers and sneakers yeah. and skinny jeans. I have boots. I have leather boots yeah. I've had for four years. I don't qualify as the preacher sneaker <laughs> guy. So. Neither do y'all. But we're, we're, we're my talking, point talking being, yeah, sorry about that. our theology <laughs> should affect our methodology That's and right. our doxology. Right. How we do church and how we worship should come from what we believe about God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's the reason why theology is a big deal. Absolutely. Is because it, it, it trickles down. Mm -hmm. And before long, the church will be making decisions like a business. Yep. Hmm. Uh, we'll be making decisions to draw people uh, that, again, are, are not born again, uh, doing whatever it takes to draw a crowd. Sure. 
because they have lost sight of what a church is and the theology always drives our methodology and our doxology. And if not, then that church's theology will be driven by their method. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as the people watch yeah. what is put forward, what is emphasized, I agree. they so see this so is the, the pra- most important Pragmatism thing. Comes, right. uh, yeah. comes in there yeah. and, and then it, it, it changes the focus from the confession, yeah. which is that... Uh, you know, Jesus is the Son of the Living God. You are the Christ, and so we move away from that. So there's so many uh, implications. Yes, there Pastor are. TJ, what would be an implication that you would see? One of the main Ecclesia? ones that I, I see is, especially out of the Book of Ephesians, um, for why we need to care about ecclesiology. Every believer, not just uh, leaders within the church, mm. um, but every believer has a part to play mm. in the function of the local church. And so ought to know how to vote, mm. um, how to participate, what to support, um, mm. and part of steering the ship, so to speak. Uh, one of the, the main concerns that I see uh, Scripture gives us is the purity of the church and the holiness of the church. Mm. Um, in Ephesians 5, you have one of the most beautiful illustrations of Christ's love for His right. church. Coming from Paul's exhortation to husbands to love love their wives just as Christ loves his church. And he goes on to say how Christ loves his church. Hmm. It involves washing her, so uh, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word. Mm -hmm. And so we ought to have our our purity and holiness, we we ought to have that as a goal. Um, And that comes by washing of the water of the word. Yes, yeah, so that, verse 27, That's he right. might present the church to himself, That's right. the bride of Christ, in splendor without spot or wrinkle and any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish, which is exactly what you Amen. said. So the, the holy and, uh, holiness and purity of every believer is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as we gather, how we live our lives outside of our gatherings right. matters. Yeah. Right? right, because it affects, it affects us. It and affects that's, the body. That's one of those things. Uh, Paul in First Thessalonians, you want to know the will of God. The will of right. God is this: yeah. your sanctification, sanctification. your there. holiness. Yeah, be holy God. as I am holy. Yeah, says that's Lord. a great. That's a great text. All over the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. A great text. What, yeah. what would you say, Pastor Tony? Well, you know, it, it's amazing uh, how God has been at work in my life, working through um, through the the Joshua passages. Uh, reminding me of how God has worked in my own personal life. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the Gibeonites and how, you know, they craftily, deceitfully present themselves as one thing um, and trick Israel. But behind the scenes, God is orchestrating grace and bringing them into a covenant, mm-hmm. and He does it mysteriously. Um, and then the next chapter that we looked at uh, just recently. Um, how that out of that covenant then, when when they were being attacked, that they could call for Joshua and say, come and help us. Mm-hmm. I think most people forget two things, that they are in covenant with God. A covenant is a word that a lot of believers shy away from. We are in covenant with God. And with ecclesiology, it reminds us, I'm also in covenant with you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so there is that dynamic of, of church life where we come to the aid of one another, that we are accountability for one another. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think that, you know, having done this uh, for 40 years, uh, 
That's a long I've seen, time. that's a long, years time. Is a long yeah. time. Yeah, You were how old? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm 42 right yeah, now. Yeah, so you were two. You have to help me with the yeah. math. And, and TJ and wasn't no, even, I was hoping you, you weren't going to go there. <laughs> you was no, not Lord even, knew you. Yeah, he knew me. You were yeah. just a gleam in your father's eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, ha having, uh, you know, been involved in ministry uh, mm. for this long, um, you know, you... you you for, you forget um, how God has has at work through all these mm -hmm. circumstances and Absolutely. and how this covenant that you're in in covenant with other believers and mm -hmm. how many people have uh, I, I think many times as I've seen many fall you know um, from prominent places of leadership mm -hmm. because of immorality and financial things I think those men for the most part all started well. Mm -hmm. And had a heart to serve God, but one of the things that was missing was they got to a place in their life where they didn't have anybody who could personally come and say, "Right, what have you looked at this week? You know, tell me about what the Lord teaching you." Mm -hmm. They get to a place where they don't have personal accountability, mm -hmm. and I think the the church needs to provide that for its leadership. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think personally, you guys. Uh, uh, many of the deacons uh, have relationship well enough that if they saw me going off, if you saw me going off in some area of my life, I think you love me enough that you'd come and say, hey, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we, We've noticed this change in you. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's what you do to brothers. If, if you've got a brother or sister in Christ yeah. and you just let them just go away without trying to reach out to them, do, do you really love yeah, them? That's not loving. That's not loving, yeah. right. Well, we live in a culture that that, that individualism, fear, yeah, individualism, yeah. and we we yeah. fear confrontation, right? And I don't like confrontation, right? I mean, it's a, we talked earlier about you know where the the word uh, that Jesus uses, ecclesia, church, the, the assembly, um, in the context of church discipline is you know we'll talk about that later, but um, is for you know restoration and. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, what's the other R word? The way I remembered it, you love doing that. It's for it's for restoring the the fellowship with the Lord and with the body of Christ, mm -hmm. and uh, that's important. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so, I one implication I was thinking, you know, coming off of what you were saying with Ephesians five, um, in washing of the, the water of the word, is is that the the church. Always should be guided by God's word. Yeah. You know, as as Paul since you know, sending Timothy and preparing him uh, as to be one of the pastors in Ephesus. You know, he he tells him, you know, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped or may be competent, equipped for every good work. Right. And uh, so he charges him with that. And you know, so just thinking about the. And I know you you have you have uh, you, you highlight that a lot with us uh, as a staff, but also the church that the word builds the people of God, you know, right. by the enabling of the Holy Spirit. And so the word is is uh, it, sh it should be what governs us right. and and leads you know, us in our submission yeah, to if, that. If so. you visit, if you go and visit um, some of the old churches in Europe, uh, or, or some of the old churches even here in America. The, the visual point, the focal point, mm -hmm. is the pulpit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Right. I mean, they were massive. They were, you know, ornate. Mm-hmm. Step up into them. You, you climbed yeah. up into them. Uh, and that was signaling to the people. Yeah, it looks that, weird to us because this thing's like towering. Some of these places, yeah. the pulpit is way up high, you know. But it's it's like signaling that the word of God. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. Yeah. Is over the people. That's right. Yeah, we're in submission to it. Right, and uh, I think not not in not in control. What you it. what you see with the assembly, the church gathered, and the man of God taking the word of God and speaking it over the people. Mm-hmm is the word then judging the people. Right. I heard Alistair Begg many years ago in a, in a Q&A time talking about small groups, and he was opposed to small groups at that time because he said the tendency of a small group of people, if they're not being led by an elder or, or someone who's trying to maintain scriptural integrity, uh, we go around the room and say, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? And it's people judging the word rather than right. the word judging them right sure and so public worship and the church yeah. and the theology and the word all of that again is so significant yeah but we, we yeah, we're so in we danger would, of moving away from that we would all agree then our our, yeah. our posture uh as a people as its leadership mm-hmm. uh as a as a as a a holy people for his possession. Right. Mm-hmm. We're in submission to the word. God's mm-hmm. word. And right. God's word, as Isaiah is encouraging yeah. Yeah. the folks, is it stands forever. Uh, one of my favorite verses, Isaiah 48, the grass wither, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Yeah. And so our submission yeah. to and adherence to the word of God is yeah. essential for our churches to be healthy. And yeah. uh, and that's what we desire. Yeah. And this, is, this has been uh, historically held as well right? that's right yeah and so i know you got a good example yeah, yeah. Sure well what we i mean i mean we, we ahead, have yeah. a a uh, <laughs> academia <laughs> hey. church history hey, I, I, see I, the variety we, at the table yeah is you know is yeah I would, a dinosaur and then a, a young sprout who's still living in academia pastor tj and, uh, you know, loves church history more. i love church history pastor tj is 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 really steeped in church history and is growing in that and studying yeah. it and youngest, brings it to bear. I like the fact that he brings it to bear. He's the youngest old we, man I know. <laughs> I don't Thank know you. about that. Did I surpass there Grant? Is, there <laughs> is another little old man. There is another little old man. His name is Grant. He's behind the camera. We'll have to bring him on. Uh, in That'd be awesome. I think I know what you mean by right, that, yeah. though. <laughs> I, I love church history. And I... And, and yeah. bringing that to bear, that you know, yeah. historical theology plays a massive part right. in the local church. Orthodoxy, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. our our faith is built upon the shoulders of those who come before us. That's right. right. Yeah, God built in His economy of His people coming to faith, mm-hmm. discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. This is how it happens. How will That's they exactly right. know to Him? Right. Know Him to call upon unless they have heard. And so, yeah. from the apostles, we have this tradition of. Believer sharing the gospel with believer, sharing the gospel with believer, knowing the scriptures, imparting, discipling, helping right. the younger generation grow in the scriptures. Absolutely. And without the tradition of the church, each generation would be reinventing the wheel of doctrine, mm. stumbling over the same right. things. When we have very clear gutter guards That's provided true. by faithful, godly men and women who've gone on before us. Mm. And, uh, and the times that I've spent um, in... Uh, in the primary literature, studying from these guys, not just studying about them, I have gained an appreciation for all the dead guys because most of them are way smarter than us. I mean, they think deeper. 
um, and they just weren't as distracted. And so they could think... Well, there was a day when theology was the queen of the sciences. Absolutely. Yeah. The university, that is one of the core um, disciplines. We've kicked that out. We have. And then we call them seminaries. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not connected with science in any way. That's right. Yep. Yep. That's right. And so... Uh, one thing we want to do in our podcast is to be informed by uh, these great men and women of old who stand as guides and disciple makers of us. Uh, and you're never done getting discipled, right? Pastor Tony, you would agree with that? Absolutely. Um, you, and you need somebody. Well, I like what you said early, gutter guards. Gutter guards, yeah. I think of bowling. Yeah. I, I bowl a better game when I got gutter guards. Uh, I, I do too, man. Go ahead. Yeah, I make mistakes. Absolutely. And, and I need... We're prone uh, to. <laughs> I need some brothers to, to stand there and guard me from falling into serious error, mm-hmm. wrecking my mm-hmm. character, family, and ministry. That's right. And so uh, we could go anywhere uh, for this uh, first uh, session, this first episode, mm-hmm. uh, in uh, trying to find some wisdom from the, church. the church's history. Mm-hmm. Uh, But I chose to go uh, with one of the very first church fathers, someone that the apostles had a ministry with, Mm -hmm. and that is Clement of Rome. And and we don't know a ton about this guy, but we do know that uh, he was a pastor of the Church of Rome. Uh, Peter is considered by uh, Clement and others to have been the church's first actual pastor functioning Mm -hmm. in that capacity. Uh, although the church uh, might have been assembled sometime before that, mm-hmm. someone taking the lead, uh, the, the first guy is considered to be Peter, the apostle. And um, two pastors later uh, comes Clement uh, mm-hmm. leading the church. He had at um, the outset of his ministry two co-elders, but they died in the persecutions mm-hmm. of Nero uh, along with the apostle, many, yeah. the apostle Paul and the apostle Peter. Mm-hmm. And Clement will later die in A.D. 99, but he has left us... Well, let me back up and just say um, many people think that in Philippians 4, uh, verse 3, uh, reference to a fellow by the name of Clement, Clement, that this is the guy. In fact, everyone in uh, the church fathers will identify Clement as this guy that Paul referred to. And so he is a character that we find from the Scriptures. And he has left us with a letter... Uh, possibly two, but the first one is definitely his. It's called First Clement, uh, mm-hmm. but it is a letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm selecting this guy, not because he's the, the first of the church fathers really that we get to and we get to learn from, uh, but because of his concern for the church, not only his own in Rome, but for another local congregation. And he's following his companion Paul's uh, lead in in writing and checking on this church. Uh, When he uh, first writes the letter, it's very Pauline, grace and peace to you. And you can tell this guy spent a lot of time with Paul. He's got a doctrine of justification by faith, Mm. which is, man, you you typically think of that as coming full fleshed out from the Reformation. You've got some of the clearest explanations of how we are saved by grace, through faith. And he says, this is how it's always been. Since the time of Adam, salvation has always been this way. Mm -hmm. And so it's uh, coming from a guy who knew Paul well. And so he's following Paul's footsteps and and challenging this church. He tells them, you have gone uh, in in the way of division worse than when the apostle Paul was with you. Mm -hmm. And his tact in charging them towards unity, uh, I love it because he will... He teaches them of the Apostle Paul's death, how, how the Apostle Paul died in the persecutions. 
this is worse than when Paul was with you, and now he's dead. And so he's really laying that heavily on their hearts, giving them a burden for unity. Uh, he will instruct them in uh, theology and um, the sovereignty and providence of God, teaches concerning the resurrection, as I said before, on justification. But then he gets into church ordering and how the church ought to be ordered and, mm. and behave when they're assembled together. And um, really some of the, the main things that he closes with is uh, just a charge to return to brotherly love. Mm. I love how he puts it. That we need to return to brotherly love yeah. and affection. And so that's a, that's a God that I wanted to look at as a model for how we ought to have such a burden for, for churches around us that we're aware of their spiritual condition, whether they're mm. in division right. um, or whether they're participating well mm-hmm. and, uh, and serving the kingdom well. And, and if not, uh, to, to have the, the gumption to, as a brother, as a sister, to uh, speak into that situation mm. uh, with the compassion of Christ for the unity of his church. Right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Anything else you'd like to add, Pastor Tony? That, that, uh... No, I, I mean, I've enjoyed our, our discussion. It kind of, I think, gives uh, people a little insight. Uh, you know, on uh, Tuesdays we have our staff meeting, and then afterwards a lot of times we sit around and, and talk about some of these things. So they get to kind of listen in on, Absolutely. you know, uh, a conversation, and yeah. that's good. Yeah, so that that uh, that pretty much uh, will wrap us up for this episode. And uh, you know, I know our heart's desire is that it would encourage you, and uh, you uh, also get to to know us a little bit better as we talk about uh, theology and uh, definitely uh, uh, ecclesiology here in the coming episodes. So, uh, well, next episode, I believe we'll be. And if anyone knows of any short young men that want to come into the <laughs> ministry, yeah. well, we can pull up another chair, man. <laughs> yeah, we I got do. room by me. Yeah, and the the. That's going to be one of the qualifications for the interns, I believe, <laughs> right, is yeah. to be short. But um, yeah, a booster seat. But uh, next episode, we'll look at the nature of the church and unpack that. So, until then, uh, God bless you, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Amen.